This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast revisiting television, sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Come Back, Mrs. Noah, Episodes 3 and 4. Hopes are rising for a rescue attempt to bring down the five people trapped in Britannia 7, Britain's rogue space rocket. Space controller Garfield Hawke and his intrepid assistant Scarf Dare are actually at the controls of the space shuttle on the pneumatic launching pad waiting to blow off. (laughs) There will be a report later in the program. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast in the full flower of its podcasthood. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? I don't remember that line from the show. Was that a was that a line? Yeah, there was a line in that. There was a line in the show when they're asking. It's a usual gag about how old she is. That's what that is. Yeah, yeah. They asked her how old she was, and that's uh, that was her response. Nice, classic Mrs. Noah. Classic Mrs. Noah. Well, Jordan, before we start, uh, I need to make a huge apology to the listeners and the fans of Comeback Mrs. Noah. <laughs> no, let me stop you there. There's no fan to Mrs. Noah. Last week, I kept calling it Come Home, Mrs. Noah, not Come Back, Mrs. Noah. And Jordan, like, the Mrs. Noah discords were going crazy. (laughs) Like, there was a lot of talk of a boycott of this podcast. And, you know, I'm sure we've lost some listeners, but Come Back, Mrs. Noah is the correct title. Hashtag Save Mrs. Noah. That was trending. It was was real trouble, Jordan. People were upset. I'm sorry you got doxxed. That was unfortunate. (laughs) You got all those Bakewell tarts set to you as a punishment. Mm Mm-hmm. Channel 4 has threatened to sue us for brand defamation because they had acquired the brand from the BBC and they're planning a reboot. So it's just been it's been a disaster this week. Um, the correct title is Come Back, Mrs. Noah, not Come Home, Mrs. Noah. My my sincere apologies to all the uh, fans on the uh, Mrs. Noah's Ark Discord. <laughs> um, I know you're pretty upset. I know. Can I think Come Home, Mrs. Noah sounds like a better title? I mean, I agree. I think I got in my head and I'm just like, it makes more sense to me. Come home. But I guess she's not welcome back at home because her husband has that new wife. Oh, I found that this did air in the States too. And you know what the title was for it in the US? No, I didn't see that. Operation Noah. Operation Noah. That's a pretty good title too. I think I kind of prefer Operation Noah. That's, that's, I like it. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I would love to see. Do you think they just like blacked out Come Home Mrs. No on the front credits and just like slapped another inch title over top? Because there's no way they like shot two titles. No, I think they probably just cut it down and they also probably cut down the musical 10 minute sequence at the end of every episode. So the episode was 12 minutes long. It was 12 minutes long. <laughs> it's, just, it's just one gag repeated five times and then end credits. You know what I finally noticed this time around watching that uh, dance musical sequence over the credits at the end? Mm-hmm. It's uh, the BBC reporter Clive singing and Mrs. Noah dancing with him. I'm yeah, like, you didn't know I that? I couldn't even recognize them in the costumes. I knew the first time, but I I turn it off as fast as I can. So if they change that dance ever, I'm never going to know. Oh, you don't listen to that every time? You don't nope. put that as your ringtone? Nope, that's it. That's once was enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jordan. So you have a game for us this week. I do. After last week's scores, I think it's become clear that I think this might be the worst show we've ever seen. You're still on the fence because you gave it a pretty good score for one of the episodes. You we don't think definitely it's one of the worst watched shows. worse than the, oh, Dune is worse than this. Well, I'm calling this game the worst of the worst. We've done it before. It's going to be a rapid fire question for you to compare uh, Mrs. Noah to some of our past shows. It's 15 questions, Luke. So you have to keep your endurance going for 15 questions. 
All right. And you pick one or the other, okay? Okay. Here we go. Question one. Chris Norman from The Danger Team. He was the boyfriend slash guy who... Got kidnapped. Or Clive Cunliffe from Come Back, Mrs. Noah. Oh, the guy from Danger Team for sure. Okay. Sexy Fantasy VR from Star Command or Dream Simulator, Come Back, Mrs. Noah. Uh, Star Command. Colombian War from Code Name Phoenix or Massive Oil Spill, Come Back, Mrs. Noah. <laughs> uh, Come Back, Mrs. Noah's oil spill is probably a little worse world building wise. Both are fine, actually. I don't really have any major problem with either. <laughs> sliding tubes from Quark or sliding tubes, Come Back, Mrs. Noah. Uh, sliding tubes and Quark are much better. They have not managed to like land the sliding tubes on Mrs. Noah. Yeah. That is a huge misfire on their part. The inconvenience of dead mother phone calls from the ghost of Sierra de Cobre or the inconvenience of a wall toilet. I mean, the, the mother calls are awesome. This is great. There's no comparison. <laughs> Mrs. Noah's worse there. Malted milk from Man and Machine or Chinese tea from Comeback Mrs. Noah? Well, I mean, that's just <laughs> racist. It's just racist, Jordan. That's clearly worse. Gears from Earth 2. That's what they called their little VR headset. Or the pleasure hat from Comeback Mrs. Noah. I mean, the gears are better. I mean, you're now not comparing worse to worse. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Time stairs from Time Travelers or automatic dressing cubicles. Comeback Mrs. Noah. I mean, the time stairs rule. Not knowing uh, the difference between the Ramones and Pink Floyd, that's from Space Above and Beyond, to not knowing that Ringo Starr didn't invent the telephone. Come back, Ms. Noah. I mean, that's a, it's, it's funnier that not knowing that Ringo Starr didn't invent the telephone. The other two, I don't know the difference myself, so. <laughs> uh, a bed with secret whip compartment from Spectre or a bed with tea dispenser. Come back, Ms. Noah. Well, that's spoilers for this episode. Uh, draw. Draw. Okay. Attilan on the moon. That's from Inhumans. Or the Britannia Space Wheel. Come back, Mrs. Noah. I like the Britannia Space Wheel better than uh, the Attilans on the moon. Yeah, I think I do too. Green Alien Chimpanzee from Earthbound or Robot Chicken. Come back, Mrs. Noah. <laughs> I know what you're picking. I like that green monkey. That Space Chicken's still funny to me, so Space Chicken. All right. Getting Locked in a Wine Room, Bionic Woman. Or Inflatable Bed Suit. Come back, Mrs. Noah. That wine thing, wine vault is still beyond stupid. No, it's Mrs. No. Ms. No wins that one. Imperfect clones from Strange New World or Imperfect Body Recreator clone. Come back, Mrs. Noah. The Mrs. Noah one like lands it for sure. All right. Finally, Hal Sterling, the character from Otherworld or Mrs. Noah from Come Back, Mrs. Noah. I mean, that again is a draw. Like those two could just be married to each other. <laughs> All right. Well, you picked... Come back, Ms. Noah, one, two, three, four, five, six times with two draws. So I don't know what the final result is there. I don't even know how you score this. I think it just goes to show I don't think Mrs. Noah is one of the worst things we've watched. Fair enough. I mean, I think it is highly problematic and a very, very damning of its time. But I just think, I think overall, I think we've seen worse things than that. Well, it's not the most boring show. That That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, is it the worst show? I think it is probably the most problematic show we've mm. watched it's debatable though because quark's pretty bad too that's true it's it's really tough once you get back to these like older shows especially when they're comedies to be able to like really pinpoint which even like america 2100 had some like real yeah real questionable material 
You don't have to go too far back to start uh, questioning some things, but the further back you go, you know you're guaranteed some things. Yeah, I mean, even if you go back 20 years, there's some stuff that you're like, oof, that doesn't age well. But like the further back you yeah. go, it's just like the piles up higher. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, shall we talk about episode three to the rescue? Let's do it. Here is the IMDb summary. Britain's space shuttle is launched to rescue Mrs. Noah and her companions from the Britannia 7. However, before the shuttle can dock, a means must be devised to seal the airlock. And that was courtesy of BGP. I think this particular episode, for a show that's not really plot-based, let's be let's be clear. That's not what the Absolutely, point it's of the show is. Gag-based. This is has the least of any of the episode uh episodes we've seen. This has the least plot. I'll say this about it. It has the most focused plot, maybe. There is one plot. Maybe that's what it is. Whereas I would say the next episode, it like has one plot, and then halfway through, it's just like, new plot. <laughs> Isn't it odd that this is a serialized show? <laughs> Dude, wild. Because, I mean, we start back again with a far and, a far and wide broadcast. It's the next day's broadcast. They just announced, like, it's the next day. I will push it even further, Jordan, because next episode, not to spoil too much, it's not it's not even just that the far and wide broadcast is the next day's broadcast, it's this evening's broadcast. So we're not even a day like this is like now twelve hours later we're watching the evening broadcast. It's very weird. Episode. I'll give this to the show. I don't think I've ever seen that before. They're very committed to the idea this is taking place in a very short period of time. This is like a precursor to twenty four. It really is, right? <laughs> this this week's headlines have two racist jokes this this time. It's uh I think the same as last week's, maybe? Maybe more? I'm not... I can't... Wimpy Bar opens in China. Yes, but the racist joke there is you can go to the Wimpy Bar in China and also get your laundry done. <laughs> okay. I don't remember that. Okay, so the second one I got is the church is christening people with a syrup pump. Yes, they've got a syrup pump because they do mass christenings. That's pretty good. And then the next thing is that the Pope played golf. Yes, the Pope to win over people plays golf in a golf tournament as a way of, like, I don't know, attracting more people to religion. The racist joke there is when he was beaten by the Archbishop of Canterbury, a man with an African-sounding name, and the audience loses their mind. Oh, okay. It's funny. Again, I'm going to blame part of this on just the audience and their hysterical reactions to every joke, but I think I'm missing half of the half of the racist comments. Well, and they're not. I think we talked about this last week. They're only like the idea. There's a priest with an African-sounding name is not inherently racist. It's only racist because the audience laughs so hard. <laughs> Like if they don't ha- if they didn't have a laugh track on this, you wouldn't know it was a joke. That's actually I think a- this is crazy to say, but it is a problem of this show. Is none of the jokes are funny in this, or there might be a little bit of broad comedy that kind of works sometimes, kind of doesn't work. But the actual jokes, they're delivering it with all gusto, but there's no jokes there. I think a lot of it too is like in the forty years that have transpired, the world has changed so much that either we don't recognize the reference. Or that the like the idea that like a priest has an African sounding name, like I wouldn't like you wouldn't like that exists in our world. Like there are priests who are yeah. like that's not like a like so like I think a lot of it is just like the time span between these things. Like it's tough to pinpoint what is even like they're aiming for. It's also, so let's be fair, it's not well written. No, I mean absolutely not. Um, but anyway, this is the newscast. The other thing on the newscast, of course, is the news about Britannia 7 today. And the news is they're going to try to send another rescue ship up to get them again, much like the aborted uh, attempt last episode. Spoiler ahead, I'm a big fan of the gold outfits. Yeah, they, uh, the, this time they uh, go up in very nice gold tracksuits. I also was a big fan of yeah. them. Yeah, I wish all sci-fi, they all wear gold outfits. It's great. 
Um, but it is eight hours later because on Britannia 7, Mrs. Noah and Clive, the BBC reporter, are getting up from that sleep, sleep cycle we left them getting into. Mm-hmm. Did they ever explain why they have to share a bed? Uh, it just there's not enough beds in the it's sleeping just quarters. It's just comedy. I mean, they're sleeping head to toe. They're in very nice onesies. They look very comfortable. Mm-hmm. And uh, the AI, of course, wakes them up and informs them. And it's it's the end of their eight-hour sleep cycle. And it's it's made them tea. And their tea is, I guess, they just have a little spout you push. And tea comes out and you catch it in a little cup. And that's how you get it. Mm-hmm. But, of course, as uh, Mrs. Noah gets to, goes to get her, a bre- her cup of tea, when she goes to grab the cup and push the spout, something's wrong with the gravity. It doesn't go into the cup. It sprays directly across and sprays old uh, Cunliffe in the face. It's, uh, I mean, you're going to disagree because I know you hate this show, but I did not see this coming. They've actually, what they've done is set the camera up on its side. Mrs. Noah's standing straight up to look like she's laying in this bed. He's sort of like laying on his back. So like they've tilted the angle so that when she starts working with this tea, it all like flows straight down due to gravity. But they it's sh- not a bad effect. I'll agree with you on that. I mean, the, and, uh, and I'll also give it to this. They only do the joke maybe twice. As opposed to this show has a has a tendency. I think Nico mentioned it like three times. It's more like five times they'll do a gag. So this they only do I think twice. So that's not so bad. I mean I think they did it three or four times. Like <laughs> she pours she pushes the spout like she drops the cup and he, they're like what's happening and then she pushes the spout tea in his face. Then she finally figures out how to pour the tea in the cup by holding it sideways. And when she passes in the teacup he just pours it in his own face again. Right. It, it's the same gag, but uh, honestly I like I liked the gag. The way they set, like, the way they even, like, position them at the start of the shot, I did not recognize the the fact that they are, like, inverted, basically. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't see it. Like, so when she first drops that cup, I was legitimately surprised. I was like, wait, wait, what is happening here? I, I don't want to defend this show too much, but I actually thought this gag was well executed. They get a call that it's time to go back up to the um, mission, like, not mission control, the, you know, the headquarters the that bridge. they usually work out of. The bridge, thank you. Because there, there's a new rescue coming in, and... Uh, I, you, I'm sure that you've lost it in the laugh track, but like Clive gets out of bed and he's of course standing on the wall because that's how they like, you know, gravity's off. So he's standing on the wall and, uh, he, the phone call rings and he picks it up and I believe he says Batman speaking. I did catch that. The gag being, uh, one of these slightly dated references you see, but you know, in the 1960s Batman show, every episode they famously scaled a wall, which became a thing where, uh, you know, celebrities would pop out the window. That was the gag there for anyone who's not 75 years old. Yeah, and they're they're informed basically that the gravity's off because there was an altitude adjustment during the night and their cabin compensator hasn't responded. So they just they just need to go through the door into the uh, dressing room and the gravity will be normal again. But of course, the door is in the ceiling, which is now, I guess, uh, like inverted on the side for them. So they have to kind of like climb up a slanted. Mm-hmm. There's like a whole comedy bit where Mrs. Noah can't climb the slanted roof and keeps falling and like... It's this whole pers- it's all perspective gags basically in this opening shot. Yeah. And I mean, Jordan, did you notice like obviously because of how this like scene is shot on its side and like throwing off the perspective, um clearly guest directed by Christopher Nolan. <laughs> you know, I never got through Tenant. Oh, really? Yeah. You gave up? Yeah, because it was dumb. I loved it. Did you? You loved it? <laughs> I did. Wow. But you and I have very it it felt like we've talked about this before. Remember when uh you couldn't get through a three-body problem. I feel like that's the same. It's the same issue. Right. We have different tastes in science fiction. Right. Fair enough. On to that point, they they go up a room into uh, what they're going to see as automatic dressing cubicles, I think they call them, which is like two pods that have kind of like round sliding doors. And when they open, you see a bunch of, I think it's like six hands or something like down the line. So the idea being that they're like robot hands that 
put clothes on that speeds up somehow speeds up your dressing yeah it's so funny though the, the door is open to the cubicles there are three three hands in each cubicle two of the hands are at shoulder level and one hands at groin level they get behind the screen door and it's a lot of comedy faces of can you believe they're touching our body as they put the clothes on that's really the gag that goes on for about five minutes all culminating in the the cubicles open and they're wearing each other's clothes <laughs> let me mention something about this uh this space station they sent off and i i don't know if this is a overall gag about in the world they're supposed to be living in in the future but the space station doesn't seem to work very well i mean like they have all this technology that like i know it's it's played for laughs but in in the world itself is there supposed to be a gag that these are actually not like it's not a very good space program uh i mean they're supposed to be the leaders in the space program so i i'm not sure i think i think it maybe is like they're referred to as robot valets so i think maybe some of it is just like they're trying to like recapture like having a valet right that's how funny it is he's wearing a dress she's wearing a pantsuit and we get one last callback to this uh hilarious uh robot valet dressing room jordan did you catch it a little later when uh, Garstang complains that the robot valet, he's a little too short to use the robot valet, uh, and implies that lower arm went right up his butt? Yeah. <laughs> There's been a lot of a lot of uh, butt-related humor on this show. It's all, honestly, this show is mostly like, if someone gets poked in the butt, that's the highest form of comedy on yeah, the show. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, uh, up in the bridge, they're having breakfast with the rest of the crew. They're told that the rescue ship is coming, but there's a bit of a problem because uh, I guess the docking like the uh, mechanism, when the ship comes in, there's no sealant. They didn't put like a, I think they call it a washer around the door. So it won't be able to get an airtight seal to properly dock with the ship. And they go through this very extended sequence where uh, Carstairs, the mathematician, attempts to show the layman what's going to happen by using all of the breakfast foods as sort mm-hmm. of a, like a, a visual demonstration where they're like using an orange as the sun and like a melon's the moon and like they're all trying to like all the characters are like walking around in circles showing an orbit and like eventually they show this is exactly this point there's a they've made the space shuttle is a sausage with cheese wings and the station is represented by a big crusty bun and the final, the climax of this like long running thing where they get everything orbiting properly and they argue about what fruit best represents the Earth. The shuttle docks with the crusty bread is a sausage going into the end of a crusty bun, which I guess looks like a, something poking a butt. So the audience loses their mind. Yeah, the audience is tearing the place apart. They, they can't believe you put a sausage in the end of a crusty bun. Yeah, they're, but, they're laughing so hard. But, but you're really not selling this enough, Luke. This is over five minutes because i timed it over five minutes of them doing this gag several times of wouldn't it be funny if they all had to kind of scramble around to each have their piece of fruit be a different orbit all for the culmination of this sausage going in the bread yeah man they got they've got they've got to have a long joke about how far garstang should stand with the orange because how close respectively is the sun to the earth like it just goes on and on yeah yeah um but yes they this is the essential problem is when this rescue shuttle comes it won't be able to seal with the docking port but they have a plan they just need to get to the docking port and seal it with the hilarious named sealant thrumble (laughs) i see i didn't catch thrumble thrumble there was like we got to use some thrumble on this yeah of course we now cut back to far and wide who's giving a quick update on the uh shuttle rescue mission which is about to quote blow off (laughs) 
Uh, the head of mission control, Garfield Hawk is his name, and his uh, sexy assistant who is in love with him, and he's in love, she's in love with her, and they're going to just constantly be making out this whole episode. You her mentioned is- it in the previous one, like, who would love him because he's so old, but they really doubled down on it. This time, it's like, she can't keep her hands off him. I would say the one thing I like about her is, did you catch her name? No, what was it? Scarth Dare. <laughs> She sounds like a uh, like a Star Wars uh, Jedi. Yeah, it's true. It's very good. Anyway, they're going to pilot it up. This time they get the ship launched. They end up in space. And as they're flying toward, like, this is it. As they're flying toward the space shuttle, they're like, I guess we're alone now. And we just, like, the two actors, like, aggressively comedy make out before we cut away. Yeah, it's that sort of thing where they grab each other real fast and just mash their faces together. Uh, it is crazy. Like, it it's just so funny to watch because, like... He is just, like, 40 years older than her. It's yeah, so she's, weird. she's probably, like, the actual actor's ages. We can look into it. I'm guessing she's about 27, and he's probably about 65. Yeah, it's, it's what it looks like. Anyway, um, we cut back to the team on Britannia 7 getting ready to go uh, handle this uh, thrumble sealant. They're all dressed in the costumes from Ghostbusters for whatever reason. No, but they also have... I don't know what you'd call... At first, I wasn't sure what they were. Uh, we find out they're sort of... Their helmets have, like, sort of... I would say maybe 12-inch uh, cylinder, clear cylinder tubes that uh, stick out the top yes, of their head. Their like life support system. Yeah, they sort of look like almost like they're wearing like a Batman mask. But it has each of the tubes, the two tubes on their head, have ping pong balls in them. Yes, this is their life support system. They are wearing a mask over their face that leads up to ping pong balls on their head to like properly determine if they're breathing correctly i guess their oxygen's coming through but it, but the, like it's just a gag that the props department put together where when they breathe into the masks the two ping pong balls go up and down due to their breath and uh, th- i mean every character has to have like a hilarious gag with this like one of the bbc reporter's lungs is weak so one of his balls doesn't go up and down <laughs> and then what so what is the joke here so this all comes to a head at the end mrs uh, noah breathes and she breathes so hard that the balls shoot out is it that she's she's like a windbag is that the joke no I, th- there's no joke th- like the joke is one of his one of hit the bbc reports doesn't work because his lungs weak and then she does hers and her balls just pop out the top and you're like it's just such a funny gag and they're like oops you forgot to put your cappers on and they just put the caps back on the i think the gag is that they get to say the word balls repeatedly oh maybe you're right maybe you're right i love by the way that we're like two historians finding this archaic text and trying to figure out what the intentions was of it that's what it is watching this show (laughs) because it's got to be because when clive's balls one of his balls doesn't work they're just like one of your balls doesn't seem to be moving very much and everyone just loses their mind they're like can you believe it yeah the audience didn't think they could laugh harder but they can anyway uh they head off to this docking port and uh, there's another, there is that just, uh, you've, you've hit it on the head. As they're crawling through a tube, like a Jeffrey's tube to get there, uh, these 12-inch cylinders on their heads are obviously quite long and protruding. And Clive pokes Mrs. Noah in the butt with his tube and everyone yeah. loses their mind. <laughs> this show definitely has the most butt-poking and butt-related humor we've ever seen. Well, and this leads to the next thing where uh, we actually get to see, it, this is one of their better effects, I'll say. The uh, ship is coming in, the docking hatch opens, and we actually get like a nicely done green screen shot of this mm-hmm. like ship like coming in with the earth behind them. And I was like blown away they were able to pull off such a like smooth effect. But as it's approaching, they're like, get your fire extinguishers full of thrimbles. If they're just fire extinguishers, they're going to blow white foam everywhere ready and mrs Noah's like i left mine on the ground across the docking bay let me bend over and pick it up just as like the nose of the space shuttle comes in and like pokes her right in the butt yeah (laughs) 
And that's the joke. The audience loses their minds. She goes crazy and starts spraying her foam everywhere. And everyone's just getting covered in white foam. And then the episode cuts to close. <laughs> and you mentioned it last time. Like, what is this audience on? But literally, they cut to the closing credits. But the studio audience is still laughing. And they are losing it. They're losing their minds over her getting poked <laughs> in the butt and spraying this foam everywhere. Like, it's it, it like pours into the credits for minutes on end this audience is just tearing the theater apart watching this yeah they love it and it's it's good because we go right into episode four luke who goes home because this again this is a serialized show this is like what is it a few hours later Uh, this is this is this evening's far and wide broadcast yeah it's crazy here is the IMDb summary for episode four, Who Goes Home? Now, as soon as we activate this machine, your body will be reassembled down on Earth, and a live cat and parrot will be reconstituted here. Right. Ready? Finger on the button, sir. Good. Activate. The space shuttle's ballast tank gets damaged, making it impossible for the shuttle to return everyone to the Earth. That was courtesy of BGP again. So let me uh, give you a couple of these far and wides that I got. And you tell me if I've missed anything. Actually, what would the easiest thing to do is I tell this and then you point out the racist joke I missed. (laughs) I will say this. This episode, episode four, first episode free of racism. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't catch anything either. So that's good. So they really just lean into making fun of Mrs. Noah for being an old lady. (laughs) Right. So far and wide. First thing, bread price is going up in England to 10 pounds a loaf. It's going up by 10 pounds. Oh, by 10 pounds. Now you can't get an egg and cheese for less than 23 pounds. Right. Inflation. 101-year-old King Charles' love life. Is there some rumor about it? And it kept going. And I was like, nah, right. You didn't write this down? This is like something, I think, for real royal watchers in 1978. Because I had to Google all the names they mentioned. And these are all people he was rumored to be dating Uh, or going on dates with in 1978 era. But it's like, yeah, the 101-year-old King Charles III is rumored to have a romance with the 99-year-old Lady Jane Winsley. When they reach out to his wife, the 93-year-old Royal Highness Princess Caroline of Monaco, for comment, she can't because she can't find her teeth. That's it. And by the way, Luke, you deliver that, I think, as funny as the guy in the show did. Oh, yeah. But I, I like the joke here is, you know, all the people Prince Charles is currently dating. <laughs> and what I love is that, like, swing and a miss on all counts. None of those, like, I thought for sure they were going to make a joke about his current wife. But, like, they, they're not even thinking about her. You mean Princess Diana? No, no, because he's now with. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. What's her face? Uh, who was like, that was a long running scandal right, right. that he was always in love with. her. You know, that's the whole thing. Right? So I thought for sure they'd at least land that one joke. No, they picked two women he saw. Camilla. Totally missed the mark. Camilla, Camilla thank that's you. It, yeah. That joke was just for royal watchers. I think if you were really into the royal family, this joke is really firing all cylinders. Right. And th- this next story, I think, is something you probably liked, Luke. It was, it's about educating children before they're born. That's the joke, right? Yeah. I mean, I get, I mean, I don't know if I liked it. it the, the joke is that the first- You love this pre- show. It's your favorite show. The first pre-educated baby was born, and upon it being born, it made a comment on the weather being warm for June, and then played the piano. <laughs> sure. I mean, it, it's borderline a joke. <laughs> um, and so, let me ask you about this uh, this this timeline they mentioned here. They say at the end, the ship has gone a, a hundred times around the Earth? Yeah. Does that make that. sense for how long they've been up there? I thought about doing the math on, like, what... How many times you, how fast you have to spin around the earth to do it 103 times in two days? <laughs> yeah, they would be just like stuck to the walls. They're just whipping around the earth up there. Yeah. Anyways, they've been around over 100 times. 
The big news from Betrayal 7 is that the docking was successful. The thrumble worked, Jordan. Yeah, thank God. I know you've been waiting. All week you've been waiting to see if that thrumble worked, and now we're back and you know it did. <laughs> yeah. However, they uh, gather at the bridge, and Mission Control calls up to let them know that there was a, some damage to a ballast tank during docking, which led to some bad news. One of them is going to have to stay behind on Britannia 7 and die. Why was that? Because someone needs to be there to close the doors? No, uh, during docking, a ballast tank was damaged on the ship, so they don't have the, like, weight capacity now to bring all of them back. Mm. They have to, like, balance the weight. I don't know. You know. It sets it up for a joke of they all basically have to do, like, metaphorical drawing of the straws to see who's going to stay. You have to make a list of why you should be the one to go back to Earth, basically. And, like, of course, uh, the mission control lead, Garfield Hawk, and his assistant, Scarth Dare, can't stay because they're both pilots and they are uh, not the lead characters. So, you know, they get two of the spots, two of the four spots. Did you notice when uh, uh, mission control wants to uh, contact them? It's just a big red dot on the wall and with the accompanying noise. That's how you know there's a message coming in? That's how you know. And there's, I mean, there's this whole gag, too, where they're like, this is for your ears only like commander garfield and then he puts on headphones and he's like oh dear oh dear and then they're like and they're like what did they say (laughs) but that's i mean they do that gag so many times even in world it doesn't make sense because he he has to tell them this information so why is it for his ears only doesn't make any sense i know i i haven't even i didn't even write my notes because i'm just like this is just delaying the episode more than it is anything So anyway, they have a discussion about who should stay. It looks like the old uh, old caterer guy who every every time he has a line, he mentions that he changes light bulbs. That's his character. They kind of decide he yeah, should stay. Well, you don't want to hear all the reasons they they should all go back to Earth. Yeah, okay, I've written sure. them all down. Let's do <laughs> you it. You don't remember? No. Carstairs has to go because he's the top mathematician in the UK in his field, and the government has put two million into his training, so he can't stay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fair enough. Fenshaw should go because he's the other mathematician. He's 32 years old, has a wife and child, and he's their top neutron neutron man who discovered the bent quark. <laughs> I wish I was a top neutron man. You could have discovered the bent quark, my friend. I Big know. laughs to that. Big laughs mm-hmm. to of the bent quark. Yeah. BBC reporter wants to leave because he holds three degrees in economics, politics, and philosophy, speaks three languages, and is an international personality as a reporter. Although they very quickly are like, these scientists really dismiss him. They don't believe he's uh, anything mm-hmm. special. I can't believe there wasn't a gag there about the languages he speaks. Like, he didn't go into some, you know... There, uh, there is a gag. Is there? Yeah, because he says, they're very dismissive of him being the one to go. And he says, I speak English, but I also speak German, Italian, and Spanish, I think, are the three of them. And then the scientist, uh, the scientist Fenshaw says, he's like, well, then I guess Elvita's saying uh, goodbye and goodbye. Like, he just says goodbye in three languages to him. Mm. Like, that's mm. the gag. Like, he's like, no, but I, what, what I meant was, I thought the gag was going to be like him doing an offensive uh, sort of accent. Oh, you thought he'd do an accent? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I guess you should have written for the show, Jordan. You could have brought. I guess so. <laughs> There's, I have a lot of racist jokes I can add to this. <laughs> oh dear. Um, and Mrs. Noah, obviously close to the bottom too, but she she has three reasons she should go back to Earth, which win her, which win her her spot is she won the best Bakewell tart. She's the secretary of the Housewife Guild, and she calls bingo on Thursdays. That's it. Th- this show really hates her, huh? Oh yeah. I mean that's the joke. I really want to know more about what a housewife's guilt is. I'm very curious. I don't fully understand. <laughs> I think it might be a joke, or maybe it's, I don't know. I don't know either. But yes, as you said, uh, 
the maintenance guy janitor garstang his only talent that they repeatedly say this episode is he can change his he can change a light bulb so even he realizes he's doomed to stay though i did like there's this one moment where they're still debating who should go and someone says like maybe we should do it based on the number of useful years left in your life and uh, I, this really made me laugh because of how this actor delivered it. But uh, Garstang turns around and he says, Nobody knows how old I am. I was found wrapped in newspaper with some fish and chips. For the first five years of my life, they called me Modesty Blaze. And he's just so pathetic. He made me <laughs> yeah. laugh so hard. What is the joke of Modesty Blaze, though? What is that joke? I had to Google it, too. But it is a, a old comic strip character, a, a spy character that was, I guess, po- probably popular in the newspaper at that time. Oh, all right. But I'll I mean, the joke it. is mostly just, I just like the joke that he's just like, nobody knows how old I am. I'm just like, how pathetic is this man? They just want to pick on him for some reason. That's why he's there. This is like, if it weren't for Garstang, Mrs. Noah would take all the abuse. So that's why they brought Garstang into the mix. So is this at the point where the mission control calls back and now says, oh, by the way, two people have to stay? <laughs> no, it's not even that. Mission control calls back and says, only two people can leave. The ship's more damaged. Oh, that's so what it all is. of this you're was right, for naught. Right. <laughs> so the the pilot and uh, his assistant immediately are just like, "Well, see you guys later." But um, to make up for it, though, they they came. They didn't come empty-handed, Jordan, because in the event this happened, they came with, uh, I guess, booby prizes for these four people, these five people up on the space station, because Clive, mm-hmm. Carstairs, and Fenshaw, they all get the Order of the British Empire, just as an apology. Yeah, Mrs. Right. Noah is made a dame, mm-hmm. and then Garstang gets the Rin Tin Tin Medal of Bravery. It's like it's, you just got to kick this poor guy. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of this is one thing I'm just like I can get behind. I, there's something very funny about kicking this pathetic man for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but this um, is the point I think you mentioned earlier, where the episode it's like they went, you know what? Usually we over. have enough plot, but this episode, why don't we make a, a little right turn and add? a couple more gags for a different episode. Yeah, we're just going to do another 15 minutes to the end because all is not lost. Turns out they're not. there's one more option they haven't considered, and that is that the Britannia 7 has installed on it a matter transference chamber, basically their version of a Star Trek transporter, but it's never been tried in living matter before. So they need to test it. And the best way to do that is to create an electro clone of Mrs. Noah. Before we even get into that, I didn't quite understand what the point of this was. They wanted to make a clone of her to test transporting to Earth and to see if it was safe. Was that the point of this? That's the, that's the whole idea. They have to go to, now. They have to head out to one, that one room on the ship where they do cloning. Uh, did you catch the name of that room, Jordan? Real great oh, gag. Um... They get to the door and it says recreation room on the door, and they're like recreation oh, that's room. Right. And they're like, no, no, recreation room. What a That's what a joke, idea. man! The, that those two words look somewhat similar if you leave out the dash between recreation and recreation. <laughs> the the writer wrote that, just dropped his pencil, and then walked out of the room. He's like, "Done for the day." That's absolutely right. Um, but yeah, they're gonna go there. They're gonna do this. Cl- it's it's a weird clone concept because the clone is a perfect clone of Mrs. Noah, sort of. But it's also a robot, but it also has blood inside of it. It was like it was like a weird mix. It's like a cyborg, basically, they're making. Well, this was also, it's just such a weird way to go because this whole thing set up is there's going to be a bunch of uh, physical gags you're going to see here. But the idea of we have the technology to build essentially a clone that will be her, that essentially will have her consciousness in some sense, is, which is we're just going to use a disposable 
like slab of meat to test things on it was so such an odd concept that it is given no consideration at all i mean this is the most sci-fi the show has been in this i agree because they bring her in they put her they got to scan her in order to like put her body and mental image into the computer to be recreated and to do that though she needs to they need to lubricate her with hydrocolloxide so it's something she has to drink in order for the computer to properly scan her and i listen this went on for a long time, but I have to say, I've never, I, this, this actress was very impressive in this sequence. Yeah, because she has to drink what is the equivalent of like six or seven large mugs of whatever the liquid is. She's, they're like, here's your first pint glass full of this liquid. And she just like chugs it. Like she just does the perfect chug of it. And then they just do that five more times. And in, she never spills a drop. She drinks in real time, five full pint glasses of liquid. <laughs> And she gets to do the classic uh, sort of acting like she's drunk, uh, more so with each one she drinks. Because I guess it's alcoholic. They said it's it's a little less alcoholic than beer. I, it, who knows why? They just need her to be, like, drunk now. And I guess they probably yeah. knew they're like, this actress can chug a lot of beer. We should, like, use that. <laughs> they just they just saw her one day, like, do you see when she's drinking? Comedy gold. That's comedy gold. Anyway, all these, like, little lights and, like, Scanners come out and scan her body for, I guess, comedy's sake. And the whole thing is, though, a clone of her is made. And I, I thought it would be, like, more of a robot, like a like a boxy robot was going to come out. But when the thing opens, it's actually just the actress. They've split-screened her. But she didn't stand perfectly still during the scan. So there are a few things that are a little off about her clone. Yeah, she has a gigantic, large nose. Yeah, real long what is that, Cyrano de Bergerac? Like that kind of a nose? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. And in one of the effects I thought was shockingly well executed, she has a third leg, and it actually Yeah, how did works. they do that? I thought that looked pretty good. I don't know. They, they, they seem to have strapped a third leg to her, obviously, but they seem to have somehow tied it to her, like, far leg. So when she moves the far leg, the other, the fake prosthetic leg also moves in sync. So it looks perfect. Like it's a it's a perfectly executed third leg. It kind of reminded like I'm not sure what it reminded me of, but I was like shocked that it were able to pull off such a good effect, like such a good prosthetic effect. You're right. The show. Th- these two episodes have, have those two instances where there's clearly some care given into the actual production of the show, and the other one you mentioned was the docking sequence, which looked pretty good. And it's just funny that like there's <laughs> people there's clearly some talented people working on the show. It's just not in the writing room. Even to say that, too, though, it's like the props department pulled this off perfectly. But in the previous episode, they thought it was hilarious to have like ping pong balls on people's heads. And yeah. that looks terrible. <laughs> like, That's true. Feels, That's true. It feels like the writing room and the props department just work in tandem. They're like, hey, I invented this thing with ping pong balls. Can you work that with that in? They're like, well, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everything's done last minute. Well, I got I got a third leg. What Can you use that? <laughs> anyway, there's a whole gag here where the clone it like speaks in like a sing-songy church hymn sort of voice and uh turns out is also sex crazed as uh, mrs noah puts it and so she has to knock its head off with her purse yeah and so you get this weird kind of effect of like you know it's clearly like a dummy she knocks its head off but then they have a sort of a a green screen thing of just the head on the ground still talking which looked okay for the time it's fine i mean none of this matters they uh, i guess off screen they put the head back on and what we get to see is we're back in the far and wide studio they're letting us know that they're about to attempt this experimental beam down from the space station Earth of Mrs. Noah's clone. And not only are they going to try it, they're going to try it live on television inside of the studio far and wide, which I thought was a bold move. 
I wasn't sure why the news station had capabilities to do this and not the space mission control, but for some reason they did. <laughs> for whatever reason, they just decided this this scene should take place at the far and wide set for no apparent reason. And like yeah. the whole lead up to this, like everything since they've announced they're going to beam down a clone has been like, the signal is we're about to see some sort of transporter accident. And I won't lie. I'm like, I love a grotesque transporter accident. So I was, <laughs> you're a like, Tuvix fan is what you're saying. I'm a big Tuvix fan. My friend, that's my, <laughs> that's my icon on discord. I love. <laughs> so this was like the buildup. So I kind of was like, this is where it's headed. I'm very excited to see how they transport accident. And then apropos to nothing, when they cut down to this far and wide studio, they're showing you the, the like matter transference device she's going to beam down into this clone and then the reporter opens it and he's just like and we're going to do a simultaneous transportation so we're going to beam down mrs noah's clone and at the exact same time we're going to we've gone to mrs noah's house we've taken her pet cat and her pet parrot we're going to beam them up to the space station at the same time and i was just like what is how like i don't like I guess it elevates the idea that they're going to fuck up two transports, but I just didn't understand why this cat and this bird came into play. It's all for there's going to be a sight gag later. That's There's no reason for it at all in this world. It's just, it's going to be funny later. And I mean, the grimness of the idea that they're going to explode a Mrs. Noah and then also explode a cat and a bird, like that made me laugh, the idea that that might happen. Unfortunately, when the transport does finally take place, it's a real letdown. Uh, up on the station, they open it up and the... Bird and the cat have now been, like, fly-style combined into one animal. Mm-hmm. But the animal's not that grotesque. It's just, like, a really badly put-together statue with a cat head and cat feet, but, like, a bird body. Yeah. And, like, it can... And like, it's, like, the, meow or whatever it said. The animatronic can barely move. It, like, opens it and closes it, so it's, like, meow, meow. I think it can talk. It says, like, who's a good kitty or something. And then they never cut down to planet side. We never get to see, like, an exploded open Mrs. Noah clone. And I was so sad, like so much build up to like a transporter accident for such a letdown. I don't know. Maybe in episode five, they'll show us the end result, seeing as this show <laughs> takes place moments after each episode. I mean, that thought has crossed my mind. I was like, well, maybe the start next episode is just like this exploded bloody mass in the far and wide studio. <laughs> but that's it. That's the end of that episode. Cut to credits, my friend. Well, Jordan, uh, you know, final notes time. Do you have anything you want to get into? This show's hard to rate for me because... I don't like this show. No, it's you're right. It's not the worst show to watch in terms of how boring it is, but it's a bad show. Yeah. But really for ranking, at least for me, I always kind of look at it in two ways. It's how entertaining the actual show is. And in this, it's not so bad. It's like, it's whatever. It's a 30-minute show and These it goes by fast. episodes and are an improvement is. over the last two, I would But say. in terms of did they accomplish what they were trying? Like, what are their, their highest aspirations? Like, you know, you have to be fair. Like, this show's not trying to be The Sopranos, and it's also not trying to be you know, <laughs> WKRP in Cincinnati or whatever it's supposed to be. But for what I think they're trying to be, the type of broad kind of comedy of uh, silly bits, I still think they're failing. So I know you said you think these are better. I think they're actually worse than the last episodes. This episode three, I'm going to oh, really? 1.5 out of 10. So three, 1.5, eh? To the rest of you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, for, it, like, nothing happened. I would say, I mean, they just went to the thing and blew the thrimble all over it. Yeah. The whole episode was 30 minutes to poker in the butt, was what it was. I really like the first scene where they're, like, inverted and the tea falls in the man's face. That was really working mm-hmm. for me. I mean, the rest of it is, like, that's it. It's, it's a gag delivery system. So if the gag doesn't work... 
the rest of the scene doesn't work and they don't they, they let the scene play for like five to ten minutes at a time so like you if you're committing to a bad gag you're stuck in that bad gag you're right though if these gags were better you wouldn't really notice stuff but like i don't think any of the gags work i i think the tea gag worked for me i thought it was quite funny i liked how they pulled it off it worked for me i so i'm gonna give i think that episode a three okay but it I really i'm just i'm rating one gag so basically i'm saying one third of the gags which is true like that was basically one of three scenes in the entire show and that Fair scene enough. worked uh so Fair that's enough. how i'm kind of rating it, i think uh, what about uh, who goes home jordan i actually think this is probably not as good an episode but i'm gonna give it a slightly higher score because i kind of did like knocking off that clone's head and i just thought i don't know two out of ten <laughs> slightly better two out of ten. <laughs> i mean I, it's the same thing like this episode is two gags it is gag a who has to stay behind that yeah. wraps up and then they go to gag b which is let's make a clone of mrs uh noah and in transporter and neither gag really works that well i liked the little bit i liked i liked making fun of garstang that worked for me like actually that actor as yeah. him playing that pathetic character is like landing some laughs for me and then i liked seeing the clone that was a surprise for me but like the mm-hmm. transporter thing fell flat I mean, I was impressed that lady could drink a bunch of booze in a, so quickly. That's something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think that's going to give me another three as well. Three. I mean, that's the thing. Like, We're almost done. I mean, it's over next episode. So it's not like, that's the thing. And it's such a tough show. Like, I would say, like, it's just, it's bad. Like, the jokes don't work. Some of them are, like, terrible. And some of them are problematic. But every now and then, like, it hits, like, one sliver of a good idea that, like, kind of, like, works for me for, like, five minutes, basically. I just think the execution of the show is poor at best and even stuff that could be funny is just the the part of the gag they think is funny is not the part of the gag i think is funny you know it's like there's a clone there's something funny we can do and it's like the gag is it's got a big nose you're like what that's that's what you're taking from this this setup they are just trying to find a delivery system where someone gets poked in the butt every four minutes (laughs) yeah the show should be called poke your butt (laughs) poke your butt uh, <laughs> that's it that wraps up this episode i guess jordan uh we've we've gone that's through it. both episodes so uh if you uh want to email us about come back mrs noah if you're furious that i was calling it come home mrs noah you need to let me know it is uh the email address here is continuing drag at gmail.com and of course on instagram and twitter that's the th- some of these clips are going to be pretty okay like that's the just the end you know it works again we said it before it works in in short 15 to 30 second clips you'll be like this show's not that bad but then you realize you know i'm cutting this down from a five minute bit yeah you you don't want to watch the show it's not good but the clips are going to be like i think you're going to see the best of the show in these clips i agree yeah uh you can find those at instagram and twitter the handle there is at continuum drag and that's it that wraps it up Listener, thank you for joining us. Jordan, see you next week. See you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Seedler. Produced by Jordan Dulloch and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Hughes.